Welcome back to Single Minded. I am your host, Hannah First. And I'm your co-host, Linda. I have a story to tell you. Naturally. It's pretty crazy. Now, you are not spiritual. You don't believe in the universe, in manifesting. Oh. Maybe? No. No. I've got a little manifestation picture of you, me, and someone on my wall. (laughs) Actually, if that manifestation works... Any time in the next 10 years, I will (laughs) totally embrace manifestation. So I actually want to talk about that particular thing. I don't want to get into detail about what that thing actually is, but basically this is related to that manifestation that you have, mum. I've been a little bit romantically confused about like there's a few different guys at the moment and there's someone contacting me from my past, blah, 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 blah. So last night, you know how I got that message and I sent you the message that I got from this person and I was like, I'm not responding. I'm over this. I'm done. I'm not speaking to this person anymore. Anyway, I decided to ask the universe and I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, should I just leave it now and just not engage anymore? Can I ask anymore? a question? Yeah. When you ask the universe, do you sit and shut your eyes and go, hmm, yeah. universe? I like to pray to the universe. Okay. So when you do this, you ask a very specific yes or no question. That's what I do. Just sitting on your couch. No, I did. I, I was actually having a shower, <laughs> sitting in the shower. Shower on the floor with <laughs> yeah. hot water. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I've got the skylight, so it's my direct. Oh, that's your direct. <laughs> Shame it's leaking. Maybe that's the problem. (laughs) So I I asked a yes or no question, like, should I continue to speak to this person? It wasn't that exactly, but I asked a yes or no question. (laughs) So I wasn't expecting a sign at all. Like I was not expecting a sign. And I'm so excited. So someone on Instagram (laughs) sent me this Instagram story. So start watching it and you can see – it's got a mac and cheese candle, yeah? <gasps> yes. Ugh. So I'm watching it and I'm like, is that That's... Co- Colin Farrell? In, yes, like, it she's, was. She's chosen a gif of Colin Farrell Yes. under the mac and cheese candle. But Colin Farrell's not the manifestation. No, no, no. This is the sun. This is the sun. Like, how weird that the day that I asked for a sign, someone sent me this story about a McIntyre candle. With him. With Colin Farrell in the story. And I just was like, surely not. Surely that is the weirdest mix of two things in a story. Okay, we are taking that as a positive sign (laughs) for what's on my wall. So, guess what I did? Rang. I responded to the story just with an emoji. But anyway, I took that as a sign from the universe and am I being crazy that I got someone? No, that is a sign, but you didn't respond to him. What do you mean? Who did you respond to? The Instagram (laughs) person you don't know? No, 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 to the the guy. Oh, I see. God, you are so confusing. Okay, got you. I'm sorry. Did none of that make (laughs) sense? So ba- let's just summarise. Okay. There's a guy texting me. I'm like, nah, not responding to this anymore. And then I said to the universe, and I do ask the universe for signs, and I asked a yes or no question, and that's what I got today, and I took that as a sign. I see. So I to then respond. re-engaged with the conversation. <sighs> okay. So we're still on track. <laughs> well, I went on my first date to a restaurant last night, which was 
really nice. Good. How was that? What did you eat, more importantly? He suggested Thai food because he knows I love Thailand, which I thought was really nice. Very nice. My first meal out was Thai as well. Mm, It's all back on. So is that Mm -hmm. it for your manifestation stories? I I don't. (laughs) Like, do you believe in signs, though, or you don't believe in signs? Um, That's pretty wild. Yeah, I I'm not sure. I don't really, but but I'm happy that they're there just in case. <laughs> but, Mum, mac and cheese candle with a gif of I Colin know. Farrell. I That's know, a weird mix. That's yes. a weird thing to, like, go, Hannah, look at this, look at this. Yes. Anyway. So on something completely different that this is not a ad read, at all. Mm-hmm. You know how Dr. Ralia Lou, who did your egg freezing, sent me a little present? <laughs> she did. <laughs> yes. You'd already told me what it was, but the sticker on the box said lovers. Uh, yes. And I knew that what was in there was a formula for, and I'm quoting from the website, mature and delicate skin, which you can use as a lubrication or as um a vaginal moisturiser. Okay. I think that's what it is. Yeah. So I said, without saying anything to Rob, I said, ooh, Rob, you might like this. Oh. So we got the box, lovers. He opened and he seemed a bit disappointed because I think he thought that I'd bought him some sort of sex toy for seniors and instead there was two (laughs) bottles labelled eternal. So – I thought, oh, this is interesting. I thought he knew what it was. Anyway, I pumped out a little uh, silky moisturiser onto my hand and he just stuck his finger in it and put it on his face. And I said, no, Rob, that's for my vagina. Oh, my God. (laughs) Sorry, Hannah, for that story. But I am looking forward to trying it. Thank you. Oh, my God. uh, That's a good story, Winter. (laughs) I love that story. And it was sitting on my desk and now it's next to my bed. So we're getting closer to trying it. I'll let you know. Rayleigh also (laughs) sent me, but I don't think, you got a different one that was specifically for like post-menopause, right? Yes. They call it mature and delicate skin. I'm not sure how delicate it is actually (laughs) at at 60. I have no idea. All vaginas are delicate skin, by the way. Okay. more delicate than, you know, the palms of your hands. Anyway. I look forward to chucking out the gun oil and trying (laughs) eternal. (laughs) (laughs) Have we told the gun oil story? We won't be telling that story. Okay. Oh, my God. That's for another Google, time. We're out Google of time. Gun oil. Okay. All right. Let's get in. <laughs> I'm really, really excited. Shaney Silver is joining me again. She has just self-published her book, which I just ordered and got in the mail today. I can't wait to read it. Oh, great. She self-published her book and the whole topic is around you don't need to wait for your life to begin. So we'll get into the interview and Linda, we will be back after to chat through it. So I'm actually so excited to have Shaney Silver back on the podcast. I loved the episode that we did together, which was the shame and secret of of being single. Shaney is a writer and podcaster, and she's coming back on because she's about to self-publish her very own book, which I'm really excited to hear about. So it's been a while since we chatted. What has been happening in your life? I mean, I feel like literally everything has changed since I talked to you last. I don't Mm. live in the same place. I'm fully vaccinated now. And it seems like the world, at least where I am, I'm very privileged that the world where I am is starting to come back to life and do so somewhat safely, which is great. Yeah. I I just, I sort of changed 
changed everything. And then somewhere in the middle of all of that, I also decided to self-publish a book because I was really tired of waiting for a publisher to pull their head out of their ass and give me a book deal. So I decided to give one to myself. And where are you living right now? I know you moved from New York when I spoke to you in Brooklyn. I did. I left Brooklyn after eight wonderful years and I moved to New Orleans, Louisiana, Mm -hmm. because I have some very dear friends here. It's just a really fun town and it's also a lot more affordable and Mm. just sort of easier to manage than Brooklyn. Like, I, I mean, my house that I live in here is... I don't know, four or five times the size of what I was living in in Brooklyn and it's still cheaper. And I've just noticed that this place is a lot more effortlessly social than Brooklyn. Brooklyn seemed like a heavy lift to make plans with people and to be social. And in New Orleans, plans kind of find you and they do it sort of by accident. So it hasn't been perfect. I mean, there was a hurricane right after I moved here. I did see on your Instagram, did you have to evacuate? I did. I was evacuated for 11 days and I was again, very, very privileged. I went with a girlfriend of mine and her two dogs and we went to a you know little hotel in Alabama and just sort of rode out the, the worst of the ramifications from the hurricane. New Orleans was without power as an entire city. The entire city had no power for, I think, started gradually coming back on about nine days after the hurricane, but the temperature was you know, above 90 degrees Fahrenheit that whole time. And it's just, it was unfathomable, but a rough start, but it's, you know, October is without question the best month of the year and I have been enjoying it and I will continue to do so. And my book comes out this month. So hard to complain, very hard to complain. Well, onto your book, I read your Medium article about not getting a book deal and instead self-publishing and you open with, obviously it's an ego thing, the book deal, the big advance, the status, the validity, the ability to show the world that a publisher wanted you and then you never get those things despite years and years of trying. Can you talk me through the process of publishing your book, Single Revolution? Like how did that come about? And what was, I know that you were speaking to publishers for a while as well. I was, yeah, I started, my agent and I started reaching out to publishers in 2019, very early 2019, uh, with a book that was a bit more memoir style. And I was going to distribute my thoughts on singlehood through personal experience. And that book did not sell. And then there was a pandemic. And toward the end of the pandemic, or toward the end of 2020, I said to my agent, like, I have to try again. I can't just not do this. Like we have to try again. And I had done some work personally to feel more comfortable in my own authority and comfortable with my own voice. And I was then ready to be a bit more prescriptive and to give concrete advice and to really try to help. Mm -hmm. So I put together a new book proposal and we sent it out in early 2021. And again, it was 100% rejected. And the last rejection that came through, I remember I was in the Met Museum and it was the first time I had gone anywhere in a year. I hadn't gone anywhere social. I hadn't done anything. Like I have never had a COVID test. That's how little I did during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I was standing inside the museum, double masked, just terrified. It was almost an empty museum, thank goodness. But um, I'm in there with like Renoir and Van Gogh. And I, for some reason, got the feeling to check my email. And I checked it and it was my final rejection from the last publisher that we were waiting to hear from. And I was just standing there and like, of course, there's some disappointment feelings. But at that point, it was just like almost funny. Like, Mm -hmm. you can't tell me I'm never going to be an author. That's a ridiculous thought to me. Like, I know this is who I am and I know this is what I'm going to do. And I was just thinking about how, like, how much I've grown and how much I've learned to picture rejection in a different light these days. And I posted that to Instagram, like a picture from inside the Met Museum. And I posted that to Instagram and a, a person I know from the podcasting world actually commented below. And he's like, call me. 
And so we had a chat and he was sort of that final push that I needed to make self-publishing happen. And a a big portion of that was there is a a wonderful company based here in Austin, Texas called Scribe that is sort of a self-publishing company. So I don't know how much your listeners know about the book process, but typically with a book deal, what a book deal means is a publisher wants your book, wants to publish your book and gives you, you know, a big shiny advance, which is typically like, I don't know, maybe between 30 and a hundred thousand dollars, hundred thousand, obviously being like supreme high end and you have some sort of fame to you. Yeah. So they give you that upfront and then you write the book for them. And then what happens afterwards is most authors don't make, well, all authors don't make another penny off of their own book until they've paid back that advance through Mm. book sales. And authors make a smaller percentage of book sales than the publisher does anyway. So it takes a very long time to pay back that advance. And and a lot of authors never see another dime after they get that advance because it just- And that's, if you're on the lower end of that, for that much work, it's, it's not that much. It's not that much money at all, especially when you yeah. consider it's broken into three payments. I just can't imagine how much of your soul goes into writing a book as well. All of it. Your yeah. whole soul <laughs> goes into your whole soul, your whole sanity. So the difference between what I did and a book deal is that I own the rights to my book. I am the only person making revenue off of my book. Yep. I paid my publishing company a upfront fee mm-hmm. to make the book happen. I handed them a manuscript and I was like, make me a book. And they did but they don't own rights to it and they don't have any revenue share from it. I'm the only one making money off of this book. I'm the only one that owns the rights to this book. And having gone through this process and seen how much creative freedom I have and how much I'm in charge and how much I don't have to wait for anybody else anymore, this is my strong preference. I don't know why I wouldn't just keep self-publishing. Yeah, I think I think what you said, which is why I pulled out that quote, it's it's like it's old school and it's still there. And so you think it's prestigious. Like that's the reason it's your ego. That's like, I want that because that's the accepted way to do it or something. And it's the same, I guess, with what you say about medium, right? Yeah. I mean, you and I both write on medium and it's this wonderful way for authors to write whatever they want and retain Mm -hmm. creative control and make money. And I think that that's wonderful. The old way would have been you and I having to pitch ideas to editors over and over and over and over again, maybe get a response in a month, most of the time it's going to be a rejection every now and then it's approval. And you end up like, I mean, you know this, you end up like writing a piece for them, turning it in. And like three months later, you get like 150 bucks or something. It's, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. And it just, it doesn't work for the creator. Yeah. And I think we have to be finding more things that work for the creator that makes sense. And that sort of mirror our value back to us mm-hmm. and things like medium and self-published book sales immediately mirror to you what you've done. Mm. Is it working for your audience? Did it delight them? Are they enjoying it or do they not? And do you care? I mean, some of us just write on medium because we want to write on medium and that's fine too, but there have to be more ways that creators are fairly compensated for what they're putting out into the world and for the benefit that they're giving the platforms in which they create. I think, Mm. you know, like TikTok and Instagram and, and YouTube are all exploring that as well, but I don't, I don't do video. I'm a writer and I write. So this is how I'm going to do things. And um, I'd love to know what is the book about? So who would it be really useful for? The book is for anyone who is sick of being sick of being single. Mm-hmm. If you are just like over it and exhausted and you've done everything, you've tried everything, you've taken heaps of dating advice and nothing ever works you're just tired and frustrated and angry and things don't feel good. And you know that there has to be more to life than this. Yeah. If you're in that mindset with being single, this is your book. 
it's one book on the planet for single women that is not about dating. Yeah. It is not about here's what you're doing wrong in the mm. dating space. That's not what this book is about. It is about taking every narrative of singlehood that we've ever been fed that is wrong, that is lying, that is making us feel small and just telling the truth about it. Just telling the truth about what singlehood actually is, what we're actually choosing to participate in. And hopefully it's a book that's going to offer a lot of support and help people feel a lot better because I'm shining light on things that are just true and just happening. The easiest way that I can explain reframing singlehood to people, and I might have said this on your podcast the first time, was like, if you've ever thought in your head, I hate sleeping alone, that's a very real and very valid thought for single people. Mm. The reframed version of I hate sleeping alone is simply I get the whole bed. Mm, yeah. The same thing is happening in both scenarios. One is a positive perspective and one is a lack focused perspective. Mm. I choose a positive, abundant perspective. And I have been so much happier since. Like, ironically, I have felt so much more fit for relationships with other people of all kinds. I felt so much more fit for relationships with other people since I started repairing my relationship to singlehood. And that's what I hope this book can do for other people. I think you're right on the repairing your relationship with being single. Like your content has really had such a big impact on me because I I felt like probably before I started this whole journey, like similar to the journey that you had, it was very much like my life's not going to really begin. And it's like limbo. You're in limbo between like hell, which is singlehood and heaven, which is being married. So you're in like limbo trying to find someone. But it's so funny when you actually just take that pressure off and say, yeah, but being single is not what it's been portrayed to be in the media or like what we have come to fear. I feel like everything becomes better, including like for me, I'm dating, but even that is just like, fun again. And it's about connection. It's not about racing to the finish line anymore. We've kind of lost that, you know, like, as you said, relationships and connection. So I can't wait to read it. I'm so excited for you to read it. And you don't have to wait for like an Australian version or any of that nonsense. It's coming out all over the world on the same Amazing. day yeah. and you can buy it directly from Amazon. And that I'm so proud of that. And I was so adamant when I was working with Scribe to get the book online, I was just like, how many different places in the world can we sell this? And on what day? Because I have had to wait for like, you know, there'll be like a UK author and I really want their book, but I have to wait like a year for the American mm, version to come yeah. out or I have to pay like a grip of money to get like the UK version shipped to me. I've had friends in the UK have to mail me books. Like we yeah. should not have to do that. So that's not going to be the case. Australia can buy the book whenever they want. <laughs> And do you know what's when I think about it, when you say you've self-publishing, I bet you if you didn't tell me that and I was just on Amazon and it came up as part of my search, would anyone even know? No, <laughs> you would have no idea. The book feels the same way any book feels. It was a yeah. professionally designed cover. I came up with like the concept for the cover, but there is mm. an in-house designer at Scribe that actually put it together because I can't use Photoshop for shit. <laughs> so yeah, it's going to be amazing. I can't, it, from the day that we're talking, it comes out in 13 days and I cannot wait. I can't oh. wait. And we've just spoken about it and you write a lot about rejection, something that's really common for writers. And you said like your relationship with rejection has changed. Do you have any advice for people dealing with rejection in work, in life? Yes. It's so funny that you asked me that. A few days ago, I was having dinner with my best friend, which is an option now that we live in the same city. Mm -hmm. And we were having dinner and just talking about like, I mean, I talk about singlehood one way now, but let's not forget that for a full decade, I was living a very different existence. I was miserably single and 
obsessively dating and just trying anything I could to just find someone, find someone, find someone. And there were lots of guys in there that were, you know, in the picture, out of the picture, whatever. And I said to my best friend, I was like, the whole time that was happening, I wasn't going through failures and rejections and disappointments. I was dodging bullets. That whole time, I was not failing. I was being protected. And to be able to view it from that perspective, to be able to reframe that for myself is just the greatest gift because then you apply that to so much else. Like if I hadn't been rejected by all those publishers, first of all, the book wouldn't be coming out in 13 days. It would be coming out in another year. Mm -hmm. I would have to wait another year. And beyond that, I would be making much less money. I would be making like a dollar per book sale and now I'm going to make seven. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, rejection is both protection and redirection. And if you can see it like that, like you don't know what rejection has saved you from. You don't know what rejection has protected you from until sometimes much later on in your timeline. And we've negated the value of patience. Mm. We want everything instant, everything quickly. And there's so much value in patience and reflection. There are so many gifts. And I guarantee you, like anyone listening, if you go back in your mind through your like dating and romantic history, is there really someone that entered that space that you really wish you were married to right now? Because mm-hmm. I can't think of a single one of them. I don't want to be married to anyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I have one in mind. Yes. I'm like, thank you for rejecting me. <laughs> like, I'm so glad. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, Beyonce has a song about this. Mm. Best thing I never had. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There is so much value in reflecting on how you've been protected, how you have been held and remained safe. And we don't like to think about rejection in that way, but that's what it is because, you know, it's just so wild to think about. I don't necessarily think of divorce as a negative, but I've never been divorced. That didn't ever happen to me. And it very easily could have. And while I don't see the active divorce as a bad thing or, you know, a mark against someone's personal history at all, Regardless, it's still a really difficult, painful process. Mm. And I've never had to go through that. And I would have if I hadn't been so protected from so much. I just, I feel so lucky. And if you told me at 29 and single that at 39 and single, I would feel lucky, mm-hmm. I just wouldn't have believed you. You know what yeah. I mean? Because I didn't have any perspective. I hadn't lived enough life yet. I hadn't had time to reflect on how I had been protected. So patience is it's not just a virtue. It is a gift. It is an absolute gift, patience and reflection. I think it really will help change a single person's perspective and, you know, a writer's perspective. If they're looking to get published, look into self-publishing. You, you have more agency over your own life and your own professional future than the world wants us to believe. Mm. So, the main message I get from your content, it really is like, don't wait for your life to happen. I guess whether that's meeting a partner or getting a book deal, why is that message so important to you? And do you have any like practical tips for people, which I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that feel stuck waiting for life to happen. I'm even still in that, you know, you wait for life to happen as opposed to just like going and getting it or just living it as it is. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have fears around that. I fear for single women that wait that think they can't do things without a partner because I, I know what they're missing because mm. I used to miss it. Yeah, I know about all the things they're not experiencing, all the joy they're not experiencing because we have overvalued romantic partnership and we have undervalued time alone 
Mm. We have undervalued other kinds of relationships that aren't romantic. You know, there's nothing more glorious and important and spectacular than getting married. There is no bigger party apart from like the Oscars, like name a bigger party than a wedding. <laughs> they say it's like the best day of their lives. I'm like, wow. Oh, okay. God. <laughs> Please don't let my wedding be the best day of my life. Please. <laughs> I mean, God, it's just, there's so much more and so many different variations of life than the one that we've been taught. Like seeing the value in your timeline and your unique story we know that bespoke is always better, right? Something tailor made to you is always going to be better. Why can't that be true about your life and your timeline? I don't want a life that's off the rack. Mm. I really don't. I want something more unique to me. And when you don't let yourself do things, when you wait, when you think you can't, when you think you're prevented from living fully because you don't have a partner yet, you're saying that an off the rack life is good enough for you, that what everyone else has is, is good enough for you. I don't think what everyone else has is good enough for me. And I more than that, I just don't think it's right for me. I was going to say that when you said you dodged a bullet, I feel like it's interesting because when I see you now, it's like you're doing very like purpose-driven work and that's sort of come out of being single. Do you kind of like reflect on that as well? Yeah. I think in some ways I agree. And in some ways I'm just like, I was just making lemonade. Okay. You know, <laughs> I was living in hell. I was so unhappy and yeah. it was awful. I hated being awake. If I was awake, I was unhappy. I was miserable. And I was like, this is not why I'm here. This cannot be why my soul is on earth. There has to be more than this. And I found it. I found a way to live fully. I found a way to not hate being awake. I found a way to be happy. And it did not involve finding a partner first. And because I was able to do that, and it felt so much better, I had a really hard time keeping that to myself. Yeah, I can't not share it. It's too important for single women who nobody is really advocating for in this way. I mean, I was raised, if you can help, you do. And mm -hmm. I can help. So my career kind of found me in that way. I can't fathom a pandemic without this career because doing this work absolutely saved me. It saved my sanity. It paid my rent. I mean, it's so wild to reflect on things, but yeah, this career definitely found me. And I'll tell you something it didn't really start to happen until I deleted my dating apps. Mm. And while I will advocate for deleting dating apps right down to the ground, I will say, if you're enjoying them, don't listen to me. Mm -hmm. If you love dating apps, if you're having a great time, if they're working for you, if you enjoy them, keep going. I'm more speaking to those who hate them, who are having a really tough totally. experience. You know what I mean? When it feels- I've been there as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a thousand times. I 100% but... advocate for like when you're in that frame of mind, get off because it's just feeding the negativity and damaging self-esteem because I've been there. It's awful. So I have a lot of people on Instagram asking me for writing advice or just generally how to be more creative. I've gotten so much out of your Medium articles about self-publishing and not waiting for an editor to respond to your pitches. And it's one of the reasons I actually write on Medium now as opposed to pitching. You're right. Like I don't get responses. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to write it on Medium then. Yeah, because your ideas are great. Your ideas are great and they're funny and they're engaging and people love them. So that's yeah. when you know you're doing the right thing is mm. when you're getting a response that makes you feel good and you enjoy the process. Like, hell yeah, your ideas are way too good to have them sit in some editor's <laughs> inbox and get ignored. Are you kidding? 
I'd love to know what your advice is for people who want to take more control of their creative pursuits. I had so much fear about writing on Medium. It just felt really scary. And now I absolutely love it. And I tell people that contact me about it, like go on Medium and it's a great way to practice writing. Do you have some advice for people that want to be more creative in their work? Oh, absolutely. Remember that no one is better than you. And what I mean by that is an editor isn't royalty. An editor doesn't have a magic crown that they wear that makes them better, that makes them able to really gatekeep what goes on the internet. Like you don't need an editor's blessing or approval to write what you want. And you'll know that you want to write it if it lights you up. If while you're writing it, it doesn't feel like work. Mm. If while you're writing it, time <laughs> flows away. Like it's just it's 4 a.m. You know, and, and you're never, like, what happened? <laughs> oh, I mean, for sure. And and never force it. If you're finding that you need to force yourself to write or you ever get that feeling like I should be writing, but I'm not, mm. that that's not going to work. Forcing it never works. In those moments, what works is letting go and just letting yourself know, okay, this is not the time to write. This is the time to do something else. This is the time to do something that I find inspiring, like read something someone else wrote or watch a movie that you find inspiring. I do that all the time. I watch The West Wing when I feel stuck because Aaron Sorkin is one of my favorite writers ever. And like that will get you unstuck real quick, particularly seasons one and two. Mm -hmm. Just like don't force yourself into anything. Let it come. And that's my same advice for writer's block too. And I think a lot of people assign writer's block as like a blanket term for a lot of things. But when you've had real writer's block, it feels like you're thinking through peanut butter. It's really horrific and you have to let go and just step away for a minute and trust that you'll get your swing back when it's time and you will. But don't don't ever think that you're not enough, that you're not good enough, that you're not authoritative enough. Don't think that. I hate telling people what to think because it's like an asshole thing to do, but you are enough you have enough value and you don't need anyone's permission or blessing to be who you are and create work that comes from you. You don't need anyone. Platforms like Medium or your own blog or Twitter, if you want to write 140 characters at a time, go for it. Some girl did and they made a movie about her Twitter rant. Are you kidding? Like The internet is so new when you think about it. In human history, the internet is so new and it gives everyone the opportunity to be as creative as they want to be, to develop their talent over time. And you will, you don't have to be perfect every time or like right away. I can't read the shit that I wrote in 2013. Are you kidding me? Like it makes me physically ill. <laughs> you just develop over time. Don't wait for permission. Don't wait for a blessing and don't wait to get it perfect. Just do what you love and the rest follows. It's so funny because now it's all about, like I've kind of flipped my thinking about, it's not about these gatekeepers. It's about the audience that you that you have. And it's about creating stuff. And it doesn't matter how small or how big that audience is. When you get feedback from that audience that is like, oh my God, you made me laugh today or whatever it is, it feels so nice. And it's just those people that really love it that you're doing it for. When you flip your mindset, it's not about like the prestige of this. It's more about the audience. Yeah. I mean, prestige has never paid my rent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need it to sound nice. Like, I don't need a prestigious byline Mm. because internet content is internet content. It goes away just as fast, no matter where it's published. Mm. You know what I mean? I won't deny that it's like lovely to be able to send my mom a link to an appearance on NPR. Like, that's always going to be neat to show her because she understands the level of that. And it means something to people who maybe aren't as online as you and I. But that's not 
that's not why I get out of bed every morning. I would rather hear from somebody that I actually made feel better. Mm. That feels really good to me. And that's very motivating to me. And then the stuff like NPR and podcasts that I get to be on, like this one, all of them, like that's for me, like the icing on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny when we were talking about the dodge to bullet thing, I just had a memory because it's kind of like your life is a bit like sliding doors. Because I was thinking about this guy that I was with and I was like, oh my God, I would want to be with this person forever. And if I had ended up doing that, the career that I've had as a result in the last three or four years and the turn that it's taking probably wouldn't have happened. And I just think that's wild to think about that. Do you have any like sliding door moments where you're like, if that had happened, I wouldn't be so happy and fulfilled where I am right now? So many and they're <laughs> terrifying. They are terrifying, but I, I like just try to relax and be like, but everything happened the way it did. And everything is okay now. So don't freak out. Yeah. They happen all the time. They happen all the time. And like thinking about going back and doing things another way, then do it. If you want to go back and do things another way, you can, it's just, mm. you know, you can't go back in time, but you can make additional choices on top of the one ones that you've made. I just try to see it as like, it's like a combination of luck and destiny. And in my opinion, what is meant for you will not miss you. I really don't think that what is meant for us will miss us. I don't think that that's possible. I don't think that that happens. And I try to see things that that do miss me, that do pass me by as things that were meant to miss me, that were meant to not be mine. So what else was meant to be mine in that moment where I'm disappointed or sad? Well, the lesson in it, that's what was meant to be mine, that experience, that perspective. Mm. I've even tried to glean that from like moments of jealousy. When I see somebody like achieve something that I want to achieve, I try to ask myself, what am I supposed to get out of this? And then I'll, I'll look at whatever that achievement is and I'll pull from it. Okay. This feels really good about what they achieved. And that makes a lot of sense, but this doesn't. And I would do things a different way if I was achieving this thing. And so that's what I was meant to learn. I was meant to get more information about this thing that I think I want so badly and then learn how to make it my own. And I know like dipping toes into the jealousy water on purpose, that's that's a dangerous game to play. And I have done an immense amount of growth work to be able to do things like this and come out of it okay. But in every in every moment of like frustration, there's something to take away. There really is. And it's not forever. The rough feelings are not forever. They're temporary and they're teaching you something. So listen. Mm. So tell me all about this book. I want to hear about when it's coming out, where people can purchase it from. The book is coming out on the 26th of October and you can get it on amazon.com. That's where you can buy my book. And if you would like to purchase it in a local bookstore, what you can do there is contact your local bookstore and ask that they carry it. So when you self-publish a book, most self-publishing happens on amazon.com. So that's where the book is going to go. And now that I think about it, Australia is probably going to get it before anybody else does. Because <laughs> you're going to wake up on the 26th way before me. So there's a hardcover, there's a paperback, and there's an ebook. And they will all be available at the same time. They're all online for you. And I am so excited. I still haven't held it in my hands. Like I've never held a physical copy of my book. I ordered them yesterday. Like it's wild. It's absolutely wild to me. Thank you so, so much for coming on Shaney. It was just so lovely to chat to you again. I love everything that you do and all your content. And I can't wait to keep following your journey. Thank you. And I've been following your journey as well. And I've just been sort of watching Australia from afar and you guys absolutely have my heart. And I hope that everybody is out of lockdown safely and soundly very, very soon. And I hope my book is 
good reading material if you have to stick around the house. So. What did you think, Linda? That was great. And I was thinking back to when I was trying to decide what I wanted to do in life. And funnily, a job came up at Vogue and it was just an office assistant, but it was Vogue and I was very excited. So I went along to the first interview and then it was down to me and one other candidate. And the second interview went really well. I wore, I just remember the dress. I wore a new dress, borrowed a good handbag, gave it my best go. And I was absolutely positive I had it in the bag mm. because the person interviewing me said that she loved my dress. Yeah. But I actually didn't get that bloody job. And I just remember being not only disappointed, but actually really shocked. And I still think about that job today. Mm. I even think in my memory box of papers, I've still got the advertisement. Oh. So that reminded me that it wasn't meant to be. I ended up yep. in admin at an ad agency. That led to TV production. Yep. And then I gave it all up anyway because when I got married <laughs> and I was six months pregnant with you, I had to leave my job and went to work with Rob. So, like, it didn't really matter in the end. And then I thought joining forces with Rob yep. meant I was able to have a family, work flexible hours and spend every day with him in a shared office. <laughs> 34 years later, we still share a home office. Office. I know it's awful to actually interact with you two in that office. You're so patient. I don't have a dating story because I suppose I met him a bit young, but yeah, that was something that popped up in my head. So I thought for myself, because I spoke to her about writing and about not waiting for editors or publishers to tell you your work is good enough to publish. And so I I started writing on Medium, weirdly. This was sort of my story of not waiting for permission to write what I wanted to write. So you know, Mum, my whole life I've wanted to be a writer. Mm. I did really well in English at school and I got the English prize and I really should have pursued that probably a little bit more, but you kind of <laughs> nudged me into finance. Anyway, I Nudged. <laughs> Anyway, I ended up in the last few years, I've been writing more, like I do beauty writing, but I do all this humor writing on Medium and I was doing it sort of anonymously and I was too nervous to share it on Instagram and too nervous to actually be public about it. One of my stories went viral on Medium and so that gave me a look, like my first story went viral and made a lot of money. Bit of a and confidence boost. That gave me a bit of a boost, but I was still too scared to like really give it a go. And I knew that I want to manifest, like I want to write a book one day. My goal is to write a book of dating stories. And Have you started? I've got the outline, but I, I guess I've just been waiting for it to happen. Mm. And so I was like, but what if an agent or a publisher or something came across my Instagram and they didn't even know that writing is what I love to do and what I do the most. And so I remember I was like, I'm just going to try and publish one of my medium stories on my Instagram. I was so nervous. Will anyone read it? Well, they're going to not like it. No one's going to yeah. like the post. Anyway, mm. it ended up doing really well. So I did another one. And then one of the editors at Mamma Mia reached out to me and they republished both the stories. I feel like that was my 
like I haven't obviously got a book deal or anything or I haven't written a book. Well, but forget the book deal. We want a Netflix deal <laughs> of some kind. No, I just feel like I was too scared to share my weird writing. I was writing anonymously at one point because I didn't want mm, anyone to right. read it. And I had like an anonymous name. Remember we came up with all your names? Hannah, <laughs> Hannah, hopefully, remember that? <laughs> yeah. But I then I was like, I have to back myself. That's a Joanna Fleming quote, back yourself. So I've backed yes. myself. And I think that I'm practicing writing and I'm writing something new tonight that I want to publish to Instagram. And like the feedback has been so good and I was so scared. Mm. I feel like that's kind of the thing that I've done where I'm not just waiting for someone to find me. I'm actually publishing my writing now publicly. Yeah. Well, you are a perfect example of someone who was on one path and switched to something so different. Totally. Yeah, but it's so fun, different. Right? But you know, um, well, you know, I wrote a piece that I thought I would publish on Medium and you <laughs> said you'd start me up a Medium account oh, and you gosh. would edit it and yes. help me. Do you like writing? It was good to practice writing a story and actually even if I published it, I don't really care if anyone reads it and it's cathartic. cathartic. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, definitely, Linda, you just have to like get me and I'll do it for you. We'll do it together. But I think but with you writing. Didn't, you didn't tell me. I thought maybe you thought it was terrible and that's why you haven't come back to No. Me. That's, that's, see, back yourself. You need to back yourself. I'm going to back myself. I'm going to start my own account. I'm going to edit myself and bad luck and put no. it up. <laughs> no, I'll edit it for you. I genuinely believe with romance, a guy on a date recently asked me, like, what are you looking for? Did you read out the long list? No. I actually said I am leaving it up to the universe like oh. if someone comes into my okay. life that is like this is an amazing connection I would sort of drop my plans for Thailand if I need like really? I would compromise so that it would work for both of us and I also know in my heart of hearts like the guy is on his way and I don't need to do anything else except be my best self I just know it's coming and I don't need to force or control oh. it. Okay, I'll stop manifesting anything. It's coming. It's coming, Mum. It's coming. I'm okay, in a really good I'm in a good it's coming when the time <laughs> is right. You know what I mean? Yes, that's true. When you're in the right spot. And like I look at Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly. She said, like, I'm so obsessed with what they have. They say they have a soul. It's like it was meeting a reflection of their souls. <sighs> Until they don't. <laughs> I am predicting that no, that may blow up. I think they'll end up forever. But the thing that she said was that they met years ago and she couldn't see him. He was just a shadow. And she said it's because the universe, it wasn't the right time for them to meet. And so they've reconnected years later. I think it's such a love story. I'm sorry. I think it's going to work out. It's a lovely love story. I just, I'm not being cynical, but I hope it works out cynical. for your sake. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for a love like Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly. I hope you're not disappointed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, to be fair, I have actually felt that once before, that instant connection. I have felt it once before. Yes, as have I. With Dad? <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I can't remember. <laughs> you can't remember if you met him? Of course, him. of course. No, I did. Okay, I have a question for you. When you met him, did you know on the first night, like yes. this was something different? Yes. See, it I is. I knew the connection. 
100 percent. so i had my hair done by marie kane yesterday and we were chatting about this and i said did you know and she was like yeah like we both knew everyone i speak to that's super in love i think says yeah yeah, it it was obvious deeper different Mm. yeah okay linda you totally you you really do believe in that Uh, then uh, yeah Rob okay. is my soulmate. That is true. Oh, okay. On that note, <laughs> let's wrap up. On that right. note, we'll, um, we will see, see you, you in, in two, two weeks. weeks. If you made it this far, I'm hoping that you enjoyed the podcast. If you could subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review, that would be much appreciated. It really helps other people find the podcast. Not that I'm desperate or anything. 